right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am your host, Mike Maroney, for the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We got a three ball tonight. We're down a man. Mr. Tom Strange is unavailable. We are recording this Tuesday night. Uh, I had a long day at the club yesterday, so I asked the boys if we could push it. Uh, I just was not in the correct state to be uh, doing a podcast last night. And so, unfortunately, Tom's on the road, whining and dining clients, selling underwear, so the best underwear you, money can buy. He's all over the country. So, um, so we we uh, don't have Mr. Tom Strange. We do have McLean and Jay here. So uh, we will miss Tom. We're sorry to to not have him, but hopefully he's just selling all kinds of underwear and bras to people today. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I've always asked Tom. It's awkward. You know, he when he first started with Tommy John, he asked me, you know, what my address was and what underwear size I wear. And. I can't imagine him selling to women and asking what their bra size is to send them some free product. But um, there's no sure better man, to, no better man to do wife. it than Tom Strange. So. Yeah. Hey, my wife loves the free shit. So she was like, uh, yeah, I, I'll give up my sizes right now. <laughs> hey, you know, she he, he hooked me up. I uh, bought my wife some pajamas for, for Christmas because everybody wants pajamas for Christmas, right? So um, but they are they're amazing very comfortable very soft stuff. It's yeah, really my, good my wife has got some too they are incredible it's great yeah, stuff. hashtag so, no free ads great stuff. yeah no no free ads but he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a co-host so you know this yeah, is uh, truth though we're speaking absolutely. the truth for him for him anything for happy gilmore anything that's right so <laughs> we do have mclean and jay here for all of our listeners that listened to the last episode yes we are still talking i know we got a little heated last week um, it actually got more heated after we stopped the podcast. We were like seriously yelling at each other after we recorded. I walked downstairs to go to bed and my wife, Lindy, rolls over. and She goes, are you guys all right? You were being really loud yelling up there. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're fine. Just they're idiots. They think Stuart Sink should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, right, and don't so- get me started. Let's not rev it up this early. It's a little early, Michael. <laughs> it's a little early for a fist fight. Anyway, so we did get a little fired up. But yeah, we're still friends. Hey. We can call each other dipshits, and uh, I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think it was that bad. Well, it was ever decades. No, it wasn't that bad. I actually think the off-air show was uh, the off-air is where it all got down. There. We got a little, little more heated. A, a little more heated. We were talking there. in circles, and I literally said "see you bye" and just got off because I couldn't get a moment in to be like "good night, guys." Hope everyone's well. I'm tired. See That's right. Bye. That so. is the only thing I remember about that that night. Is that it, that I was still ready to go, and everyone was like, "All right, fine. See you. Good night. Bye." Yeah. Hung up. Oh, what happened yeah. after I after I after I closed up shop? Did you guys all of a sudden find the opportunity? Like, hey, that's not actually a bad idea. We're not getting anywhere. Uh, I did not stay long. So, um, yeah. but no, we're we're good. We're good. We can disagree. That's what makes it fun. So we all have our opinions, and hell, that's why we're doing this. So hopefully, people want to hear our opinions. But some other housekeeping items. We uh, we finally have our new hats on the way. They have shipped. It's taken a little while, but uh, we're going to start some giveaways here on social media now that we do have hats and, and T-shirts. And Mr. Uh, Andy, was it Hopper? Andy Hopper. We still we still owe him a, a uh, emergency nine care package for winning the bracket challenge. So now that we have the hats um, on their way on some sort of FedEx UPS truck, we'll get it within the next three months, knowing the way shipping is going these days. So. <laughs> We'll, we'll get it uh, to you, Andy. We'll Andy, Andy, we'll, we'll get it to you. And for all of our listeners, keep an eye out for social media. We'll try to do some giveaways with our uh, with our swag. And we are working on some some guests. We've been floating around some ideas. We've reached out to a couple of people, just trying to really narrow down schedules. We are in almost May in the golf industry, which is crazy. So narrowing some of these people down 
can be challenging at times, but we're going to try to go in a couple of different directions. We've had, you know, obviously Lanto Griffin and Curtis Strange on twice. You only heard it once. And then uh, Austin Ernst. <laughs> Um, the ghost episode, the infamous ghost episode. I, with Curtis. I almost forgot about record gate. That's right. Um, you know, my wife said to me tonight, she goes, you ready for the podcast? I'm like, yeah, when, you know, when the red lights on, I'm ready to go. If the red lights on. <laughs> so, but we are going to try to get some guests that are, you know, non, non players, right. Other, other facets of the golf industry, get a different perspective on some things. So hopefully we get some of these guests locked down here soon and, and can bring them to you. But, I did. We have a. We're not going to talk a lot about the Zero Classic. So I'm going to start a completely non-golf topic. We're going to, I'm going to do this every weekend or every week now. What are you guys drinking tonight? I've got uh, Eagle Rare. Oh, Eagle Rare, neat. Uh, no, I threw one uh, one little cube one in there. Little cube it in was there. it was warm today, so okay. All right, shit. I like it. And this is this is actually a great week to start this because normally McLean. Is drinking some nice bottle of grapes. What do you got tonight, McLean? See what had happened was <laughs> I spent all my per diem at dinner and <laughs> I stopped by the local Publix here in Naples, Florida and grabbed uh four 16 ounce PBRs for four dollars and fifty one cents. <laughs> Feeling very frugal this evening and uh so much for be here with you guys. So much for high class. Um, I've got fit in. Alyssa's not in a brown bag, so that's a good thing. That's not. Um, what do you little, got, Mikey? I got a little Calumet 12 year bourbon. Oh. Just a little splash of um, some pre mixed old fashioned, what mm. other, whatever stuff that is. But nice. um, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Jay and I are big bourbon guys. McLean's a big grape guy. This what will, else? This will never happen again to me. I'm just saying you, you're introducing new topics without any sort of pre-approval. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. Um, when you had told me earlier when we were chatting before we started and you had a PBR, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be crazy. This it was just like kind of a joke about it. Like I saw it. I was literally I'm sitting there in the public. So I'm like, I just want to grab a couple beers, head back to the hotel room, um, knock out a couple. I mean, my my personal, if I'm if I'm being honest, my personal is normally I'll grab a couple of Miller lights, but I, I just I didn't need six. To bring back to the hotel room. I, I just didn't need six. So I saw, and then I saw this and I just kind of started laughing. I'm like, it's really that cheap. <laughs> PB, yes. It's cheap for a reason. $4 and 51 cents. It, it's not awful. It's not awful. No. I mean, there's no chance I'm going to drink all of the ones that I got um, <laughs> unless we start arguing. And then, you know, you never know. Uh, no, no, never did that. Short, it was uh, yeah. Great week to start. Mike really, ha yep, really, really happy to share that with That's the crowd. a great news segment. I like that. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. But you are you are mainly a wine guy now, right? I feel like. Um, yeah, predominantly wine. I've been starting to really dabble in some bourbon. Um, there we go. Welcome to the club. When we were on the Pinehurst golf trip, uh, I had some buddies um, bring down some Blantons and Buffalo Trace, and uh, I started um, dabbling. Like I said, Buffalo so, Trace is um, the, the best money can buy. It's like twenty six dollars a bottle if you, you can just get can't it. find it. Yeah, you just you can can't get find it. It's it's I, awesome. I, I tried to get in a bottle of Colonel Taylor this morning at Total Wine, and the guy kind of laughed at me. Um, he was like, "Yeah, anything, anything Trace is allocated. You're not, you're not finding that. You have so to you, be on like you a went, list." You went to Total Wine and asked him for some E.H. Taylor. I just threw something out there to see if it was a possibility. Anything, you just went to the front, like, "Hey, yeah. you guys, uh, you got no, some I mean, E.H. Taylor thing, in I'm here?" I'm looking all over. I'm trying to find something good. I was looking for some customer. 
Um, and long story short, I just threw something out there. I was like, there's, I, I know I'm just throwing it out there. Is there any Colonel Taylor laying around anything from trace distillery? And he just kind of laughed like, no, that, that's all allocated. Yeah. Might uh, as well just ask for some pappy. Yeah, pretty much the way look, it is. They, these ha- days. they I look, man, <laughs> but I, I had, I had a member come up to me the other day. He's like, Hey, I heard you're a bourbon guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm a big bourbon guy. He's like, are you a collector? I'm like, more of a consumer than a collector. Yeah. If I was a slower drinker, you could call me a collector. Yeah, one, I don't have enough money to be a collector. And typically, every bottle I have is cracked and open. I just have to try different things. So yeah. I got about 30 bottles. Um, just like to experiment and try different things. You've so, got 30 brag. bottles that you have brag. No, I'm not a collector. I'm sitting on. No, I mean, none of it's none of it's high dollar, like rare stuff. I just like to grab different things here and there. I I mean, I'm definitely not a collector. Like I said, I'm a consumer. I just like to try different things. So anyways, all right. You're you're in the middle. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so let's. All right. Let's talk some golf. Huh? That's what we're here for. Really? I think we are. So Zurich Classic. uh, We're not going to talk about it. I didn't really watch it. Uh, I, I planned on watching it and then just didn't. It just didn't. I couldn't get um, interested. In it. I actually watched more LPGA coverage. I would say this weekend because they were in prime time uh, every night. So it was great to watch the girls out in in LA. Brooke Henderson won there. We'll talk her. Shout out to her. Little little drought. We've had a lot of people with droughts here recently. Ending Jordan Spieth, Matsuyama, Lydia Ko, Brooke Henderson, and some droughts. Anyways, I thought it was a great a golf bit course more to see Austin uh, after having her on the podcast. Uh, just a big fan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been fun following her. And so, anyways, I watched more LPJ coverage. I love the LPJ tour. I watched a lot. So, didn't really watch the Zurich Classic. Uh, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman went in a playoff over Schwartzel and Louis Oosthuizen. Do you guys like a team format? So, let's, let's uh, scratch that. Fuck yes and no. Uh, hold on. No, let, let, I, I have something we throw yeah, out. Yeah, okay. There. Do you like, like I that? I do like. I event? think there's a... I don't know the best way to do this. We touched on this briefly with uh, Curtis last time he was on. And one of the things that I think would be I don't cool. remember that one. And I don't know how we get it. Um, it was the ghost. Oh. Was that the, was that the ghost? It was episode? definitely the ghost. Yeah, record gate ghost episode. Curtis that's gave us radio yeah. gold. Yeah, that's exactly right. Podcast um, gold. Podcast so, gold. Long actually rarer than gold because you're not going to hear it. <laughs> I want to see in my mind, this is something I was thinking about even last week while we're watching this, you know, how we spruce this up. And I don't think because my initial idea is that you change the Accenture format so that you have a little bit more action during the end of the week. But I don't think you can make this tournament a world golf event. Once you make it a team competition, I don't make, I don't think you make a world golf championship. Excuse me. I don't think you can make it a WGC event. Um, once you make it a team competition, but I do think that, and this is this is something I came up with spitballing, not saying this is the end all to beat all, but I want to see one or two qualifying rounds, alternate shot, and then go play either a combination of best ball, captain's choice, two-man match play. I almost think best ball would just be, or not best ball, I almost think captain's choice would just be, or however you want to call it. Um, I, I just... I think if you go out there and just let these guys just make a shit ton of birdies and just absolutely see what two of the best players in the world can destroy a golf course and make it look like brings in some sort of entertainment value. If it's a decently tough golf course, let's not put them on 6,500 yards and make it stupid. Let's put them on a decent golf course and 
show something. I like the alternate shot format of qualifying because I think that brings in something. To- so I, I would prefer them to do the whole thing. If they're going to have this tournament, do it all alternate shot. I think that I, I, I'm not opposed to that at all. Cause like the best ball, it's like, okay, well they're just playing their own ball. Like we watch every week. Yes. Yeah, so they just exactly the score, that, but like, that's I, I'd rather than better. Yes. You're not going to make as many buries and say, hell what was it? I forget which team shots like Colin Morikawa and Matt Wilshot 77 missed the cut right in the alternate shot like 77 like I want to see these guys struggle a little bit if we're going to do something goof, goofy and different let's let's see Matt Wolf pump one in the woods and then Colin Morikawa have to chip out right like I think it also allows for some great sound bites from guys ribbing each other yeah so if you're going to do this I don't know I would rather just do it all, all I like I, I like doing the whole thing alternate shot I definitely agree with that the only Maybe you do the qualifying captain's choice and just let the guys destroy the course for one day and everyone gets into the event. It's just a seating event, something like that. And then you go all alternate choice, two man match play. Just let them go through the field. I think it, it makes the match play event a little bit more interesting. It brings a little bit more. Um, I, I hesitate to use the word character, but maybe action to the event. Where What are your thoughts, Jay? Uh, no, I was you know, kind of spinning off of not just the setup for each individual tournament. What if we made like a year long series where these guys, it would, you know, you could pick your team, you know, people could follow them. It's one week. They're like, Oh, one week, these guys are playing together. They'll watch it. Maybe not. But if, if you maybe played four or six team events and it, you, it was an accumulative score, not cumulative score, maybe cumulative money or points. And at the end of the year, you take the top, you know, eight guys and you do like more of a Ryder cup format. Like I think people would really get into it then. And you could learn again, the whole thing that, uh, with, with watching golf on TV is if you just watch the sport on TV, you're not getting a a true sense of how incredibly talented these guys are. The only thing you're relying on, not only, but one of the things that you're relying on is your, your commentators and your analysts to, uh, you know, display or portray a picture of who these people are and why you should follow them. Like, who are they? Where are they from? What do they do? What's their story? Right. So this is what makes you latch on to some of these guys as an individual, but we all know that, you know, we all love our team sports. So if we found a way to latch onto a team and we, again, we learn more about their backstory, I think it could be super cool, but you're not going to get it in one week. It's something that needs to build, you know, like, Oh man, I love these guys. These are my guys. Just like America, you know, the Americans versus the Europeans and Russia. Yeah. One, one week is on. One week kind of makes it feel like a throwaway event kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hey, bring in the LPGA. It'd be cool to have a mixed event. Yeah. I don't know. Just throw they that do, out. Uh, what's the, I mean, that's kind of in the funny season there in the fall. They'll, they'll do some, you know, senior PJ Tour. Yeah. Well, they used to uh, do back that, in the Wendy's, days, that Wendy's, Wendy's three, three tour, tour challenge. challenge. Yeah. They used to host it at Colleton River back in the day. I actually had a uh, cool experience as a little kid at that golf tournament. My dad would come pick me up from school early every year. Um, we lived in Hilton Head. And uh, Greg Norman actually hit a golf ball to, they have actually a practice part three out there. So he hit a golf ball in this practice part three, hit three golf balls, turned around, let three kids go run and get the golf ball. So I ran and got it and actually got Jack Nicholas to sign that golf ball. Oh, that's awesome. Later, my dog ate that golf ball. Oh, are you serious? True story. It's like Sandlot. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, right. That's but incredible. Mine was a chocolate lab. Uh, <laughs> man. Yeah. And then they, they have that, oh, the QBE shootout. I actually think it's the place you were at today, Tiburon, maybe. Uh, in the in the silly season, the two man thing. Sure. That, like, Last Lexi, week they had the senior tour event there. 
Yeah, like Lexi um, Thompson plays in and Michelle Wu's playing a think, couple times. I think you're I think you're right about that, Mike. But anyway, so here's what I wanted to go with the whole Zurich thing. And this this is a take on obviously that event. And then Jay, you and I played in a an event yesterday on, on separate teams, but that were two man four ball events. And Jay, you've played way more competitive golf than I have. We've obviously played a lot of individual golf. Do you have a different approach? when you go into a four ball event or a two man event than an individual event, or are you just trying to No, I mean, yeah, completely, no, I shouldn't say completely different, but yes, definitely a different mindset. Um, it's, you know, when you're playing in a two man event, you know, like a four ball, you you know, you've got somebody else that can cover you. I mean, that's a huge difference in terms of the, the, the mental outlook on the tournament, your strategy, where you aim, what clubs you hit, what what lines you take on the greens, how your speed. You know, if you if your partner's in for for par and you've got this, you know, 10 footer downhill and you know if you just hit it a little firm and it's just gonna hold its line, then you do it because you're like, that's my best chance to to make it. Even if I run it by 10 feet, doesn't matter because we're in for par. You know, your score, your total score does not matter. And I think the guys who are really good at that. Um, they they play really well when they can really just let go of that and be like you know hey you know my score does not matter I'm going to do whatever it, the, the goal is to make the lowest score on each hole for the team um, and I think you see some of your top on the PGA Tour and European Tour when they do these Ryder Cup European matches you see some of these these elite players sometimes they have a hard time getting into that mindset like a Tiger his record is not great in the Ryder Cup I mean it's not bad but it's not great. He's not a Sergio Garcia or a Nick Faldo kind of record. And I think it's because he's so used to, like, this is me. It's all about me, my score. This is what the tally is. I'll play this uh, type of shot because I know at worst I'll make par, whereas in a you know four ball, it's like my goal is to make birdie, make birdie, make birdie, make birdie. So you're, you're right. It definitely, definitely changes. So here's a question for you. You kind of alluded to it. So this came up with my partner. Shout out to Corey McIntosh yesterday. Uh, we had a great time, had fun, played well. You know, he had like a, I don't know, a six foot, eight foot par putt on a hole. And I had like a 20 foot birdie putt. And he's like, hey, do you want me to go? I'm the kind of guy that I don't really want my partner to go because I don't want to change my speed per yeah. se. I have I have my eye. I have my speed of what I've, how I putt and how I've putted for years now. I'm kind of a die putter. If I try to jam something, I almost never hit my line. I almost never make a putt. So for me, I'm a guy that's like, no, I don't really care if you're if you're in the hole or out of the hole. I'm going to kind of putt the same way. So it doesn't matter unless you're on my line. Yeah, and go and go ahead. But if you have a six footer for par and I'm putting for birdie, you making it not going to or missing it is not going to change how I approach it. For me, it's like okay, well, if I no matter if he makes or miss, if if I hit a good putt, I I should be tapping in for par at the worst or. A, if I if I make it great, so you kind of said you change a little bit though. If if, if the guy's I mean, in, no, it's a good point. I mean, there's a the time and a place where you can you know that's your percent. The percentages are in your favor to do that. Now, if you've got a if you've got a big breaking putt, you're gonna play. You're gonna try to hit at the right speed because that's your best chance to make it. I'm I'm thinking more like if you've got a four footer, six footer, where you know. You've got more control over your line from three to six feet on good greens where I can hit it a little more firm and I can hold my line a little longer. Like as a 
as a player, you know, even in tournaments, you know when you can be a little bit more aggressive with a putt and when you really have to die it in there. So and I'm I'm keeping that in 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 those confines there. But but typically you're right. I mean, you try to you're gonna hit the putt the same way because that's, that's the way you read uh read the greens and that's how you know you can make putts. So yeah, it shouldn't change it, but so much. You're right. McLean, your thoughts? No, I agree with that. I mean, I think it also depends on the rhythm you have with your player or with your partner in terms of is it someone who you want to watch putt first? Yeah. Is it a situation to where, you know, you're going to be more confident putting first, so you want your playing partner to watch you putt first. Um, you know, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. I've had a little bit of success in some team competitions in the past, and a lot of it comes down to your, your kind of relationship with that player and how you can kind of play off each other and take advantage of each other's strengths. I consider myself a very good putter, but um, I played in the Carolinas four ball years ago with a good buddy of mine. We lost in the semifinal match going into the finals um, against – Greg Jones, former All-American from Clemson, Walker Cup player. I know Jay Woodson knows who I'm talking about from Florence, South Carolina. Yeah, Shout out, little dog. We uh, used to room together uh, when we first turned pro. We came out of school at the same time. Well, lo- crazy, crazy backstory is that my father gave him his nickname when he was like 10 years old. Really? Uh, and it's Little dog. It stuck with him ever since. That came, my father gave it. My father was the pro at Florence Country Club back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. And long story short, that's where that came from. So it was it was really cool that we got paired together, got to share a lot of really cool stories. And ultimately, he was like, yeah, that uh, your name, your dad gave me kind of stuck. And, you know, yeah. he's he's a little bit older than I am. You know, he's probably, uh, you know, 40 um, at this point. And he's like, yeah, you know, that's to this day, that's still my my nickname. Uh, yeah. Long story short, it, we got on the 18th green. We lost one down, and I remember I missed a uh, – my partner let me putt first, and I missed a 15-footer for birdie. And I walked off the green, and we were all square, and I kind of looked back, and I started thinking. And I, I took off my hat before um, he even putt. I was like, this guy doesn't miss these. <laughs> it's a 17-footer for birdie to close out a match on 18. I'm like, nope, yep, he's got that pedigree for doing stuff like this. And I already had my hat off, shook his hand. Great match. He played with Michael Thigpen for Florida Country Club. Um, great group of guys. Couldn't have lost to a classier bunch, so it was awesome. And that's and the reason I bring all this up is, you know, a lot of our listeners and most golfers play two-man stuff, right? Whether it's member guests, member member, father childs, one-day member guests, just your normal group on the weekend that are playing as a two-on-two NASA, right? So I, I think that it has some some interest there to yeah, I think you know people and yeah, it does. And I think the biggest thing is it's it's not necessarily change changing the strategy so much. I, I think you would be doing yourself a disservice if you really got too wrapped into that. Play your game, play your strategy, but just having that extra bullet, you know, it's like, I got a partner, like he can bail me out, just freeze you up mentally. To where, you up. Yeah. yeah. Where you can just pick out your normal line, your normal target, but you just have this sense of, okay, there's a chance that I got somebody, you know, that can help me. So to your point with putting, Mike, I actually put freer, um, you know, knowing that, you know, if I've got a downhill trickler, like left to right, and I've got a partner who's got a six footer, I'd almost tell them to wait. I'm like, just hold on. And I feel like I'll putt more freely 
knowing that you you I, I may you may have a chance to make it. Yeah, you don't want that guy to miss that six footer. Then you're like, oh shit. Yeah, exactly. Then then you're playing more conservatively and you're a little bit more passive. You know. <laughs> oh, we're into the next PBR. That was a good sound right there. Uh, I wish I wish Bourbon made a sound like that. The, but. the other thing with two man events and and Corey and I when we were driving out to our starting hole yesterday, we made this pack and this is a pack I make it with every player in two man. Don't say you're sorry. Don't fucking say you're sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't try to hit it in the woods. I know you didn't try to flub that chip or miss that putt. Don't say you're sorry. Like we're not PJ professionals. Even PJ professionals shouldn't say they're sorry. This is yeah. a hard freaking game. Like you're going to hit bad shots. You're going to have a bad hole. Like, I don't care. It's going to happen because I'm going to do the same damn thing. The next hole. So uh, you're don't right. say you're sorry. You're right. I know I buy my, my playing partner. Uh, Mr. Ralph Reard is a good buddy of Mike's and mine. Um, and we we started off like on the second hole. I flagged it the first couple holes and didn't make anything. And I get to the our second hole. I had ten feet for birdie, and I I thought I had a good putt. It lipped out and went by like two feet. I marked it, lined it up, and missed it. <laughs> and I mean, I've, you you just feel so bad about it. I, I like look at him, and he's trying not to look at me. He's just like I know that he feels bad, so I don't want to make him feel bad that he knows that I feel bad for him because he just missed a two footer, but you're, you know, you're just like, you want to say sorry, but you're like, all right, whatever. Let's go. To the it next is, it's golf. You know? So yeah. don't say sorry, people out there. You don't have to say sorry. If your partner expects you to say sorry, well, they're an asshole and don't partner with them again. So <laughs> one other one, I can't believe I missed this. One other thing in the zero classic real fast. And I texted you guys. Fuck. I was rooting hard for Tony Finau. He was co tied co-leader through 36 holes, was in contention going to Sunday, second to last group, and they choked. I'm not saying he choked, Cameron Champ choked, but I wanted him to win because I wanted his second win to be a team event, and that would just be great for my bit. So, <laughs> well, I mean, my God. It would have been great content. How about, stole that from me. How about <laughs> that group? I mean, the two longest players on tour just casually throws those up 190 Careful, Bryson's listening. Give a fuck. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's not the long. Like he, if Tony Finau swung full out the way Bryson did or Cameron Champ did, they will easily hit two hundred plus ball speeds. The way yeah. that, the way that Bryson's having to ogre math it. So, yeah. Long story short, I, yeah, I like the way Cameron Champ and um, Tony Finau do it. He we just it just stole some great content from us yeah. for me. I would have would have had a field day with that. Would have been a great story for you. We would have had a nice. <laughs> we would have had God. a discussion. Man, I was about, really rooting for him. That's like the first time I've been rooting for Tony. To, someone needs to give that What's, guy the arm. What are the, what are the odds? On, he should start anchoring. Tony Finau needs to start anchoring immediately. You think yes. so? I think so. Absolutely. They're gonna. We're gonna. Ban. What do you think? What he's gonna, gonna get worse? It's going to get banned. Arm lock is going to get banned. It's not going to get banned. That was Billy Horschel's take, not the USGA's take. <laughs> we got to go back to last week. started on this again, I swear to God, we're going to lose all of our listeners. And I can go right now. I'm already starting no, to feel no, it. No, we're good. All right, we're moving to the get next topic. Fucking topics. We get, yep, next topic, arm lock. I, I what think... Do you guys think about <laughs> um, that was really funny last week. Sorry. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to bring it, was, it up. All right. It was funny. It was funny. I went, I got to listen to it all on the way back. I had to drop my wife off at the airport uh, down in Fort Lauderdale the other day and had to drive back up. 
and I got to listen to it by myself. And I, I'll tell you, I, I laughed a good bit. Um, I've had nothing but great feedback when, when we start arguing and getting kind of heated, it's fun. I mean, and I, when I listen to it, it's, I mean, I, there's things that you miss when you're, when you're fired up and you want to get your point across that little things that you miss from your counterpart when you guys are having this discussion. So it's cool to listen to it back and you're like, Oh, wow. That was a good point. Mike, you made a good point a couple of times. I think there was a couple of good ones in there, but. And, and sometimes you question your delivery. Sometimes you're like, why did I get so mad about you're that? You're like, that didn't come <laughs> out right. I meant that. something completely different than what I actually came out what, of my mouth. That's right. What glass of grapes am I on? Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, so I, I do want to. I want to. Speaking of this this tournament this week, I you know this is a personal plug here. Um, is this, this is this wing sauce again? Are we in a commercial? No, 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 no. Oh, this oh, is God. true, true <laughs> stuff here. I, I as and I'm sure we've already talked about it. I got shoulder surgery on December second, uh, and I this was the first. Yesterday was the first tournament that I played in since shoulder surgery. And uh, we, our team didn't win, but we finished T5. Uh, again, I talked about my partner, Ralph Rear, and he's a good buddy of mine. We played great, um, as good as we could. But I was able to play, I mean, and it really was pain-free, and it's certainly attributed to uh, Dr. Bill Beach with Tuckahoe Orthopedic. For, he's the one who performed the surgery, torn labrum. So I got to give him a shout-out. It got, you know, we were a little nervous in the beginning when it first happened. We're like, oh, man, this you know, the progress was slow, but in the last month and a half, it's been awesome and uh, can't thank him enough. So I'm not sure if he listens to the show or not. I know his son, Ben Beach, says who's another good buddy of mine. So I'm sure he'll relay the message uh, to Doc. Yeah, but Doc is a, is a good foundry member he, and he's a great guy. Great player in his own right. Great player that, in his own right. Tough competitor, say. athlete. You know, he's one of those guys that you would take if, into the fire if you had to. If he just know. wasn't an Ohio State Buckeye. But, um, <laughs> That's, you know, we can't all be as, as lucky as me and go to Clemson. So, you know, uh, they finally beat us like for the first time ever this year. So yeah. we'll give it to them. We'll let them have one. But I do want to shout out both foundry teams. So we had two foundry teams. It was the state uh, VSA club championship yesterday. It was four man teams split in two four ball teams at the score. Both foundry teams tied at seven under uh for a tied fifth finish in the state so it was a great representation we didn't win trophies going elsewhere but i thought it was a good a good finish for both our teams uh shout out to my team it was Corey mcintosh austin gray ren schiffman jay had mr ralph reared uh pastor ted doherty and tom grizz jenkins jr so guys played well thank you for everyone that played and thank you for the vsga so there's our our little shout outs there great shout out to ren schiffman yeah shout out to ren yeah, if you need any jewelry, oh, around. great event. Yeah. And, Chipping uh, jewelers, Mikey, and all, you know any of our listeners that that are in the you know PGA of America or or even just you know work at a club and know how difficult it is to put on a tournament, not just like an afternoon or a morning tournament. You put on a tournament like this. It's run by the Virginia State Golf Association, which is our amateur golf association in in Virginia, and they do an amazing job in cahoots with Mike and the staff at the Foundry. It takes all day to run these events and you know everyone you know looks at every little thing and tries to nitpick and and it, it's it's it was hard to say there was anything wrong with this event the way they ran it and the golf course was in incredible shape 
Um, I, you know, I'm biased. I do. I do love the foundry and I do love the people that work there. So, well, you're a sweetheart. Jeff. I think it's, I think oh, they did an amazing job and they should definitely get a shout out. Any, any PGA pro in America that, that does this and runs these events, they don't, the, the, the people who participate are having a good time, but they don't look behind the scenes, all the work that takes and guys getting there at five o'clock in the morning, leaving, you know, nine o'clock at night. So anyway, shout you, out. We shout appreciate out to that. Guys. Um, just, That's fantastic. Just, just buttering me up. So <laughs> I, know, I will I give a, I'll give it up. Since we're doing a bunch of shout outs, I'll give a shout out. Matt Smiley, executive director of the VSGA. He is an avid listener. Um, had some nice comments for me yesterday about the podcast. And um, he, I, I was telling Matt, I was joking with him a couple of weeks ago. He's actually playing in our member guest this year. I mean, executive director of the VSGA. This guy has scored a hundred on the USGA rules test like every year. <laughs> and so I texted him. I'm like, Matt, I got to go through my rule sheet for the member guest, like a fine tooth comb. Like I'm going to be yeah, so nervous will, doing this thing. So Smiley will call you out because yeah, he knows uh, what's going on. So Matt, please take it easy on me when you play member guests in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. There was some interesting news that came out uh, actually last week, right after we released the podcast. I wish it came out a day earlier. We would have talked about it last week. So the PGA Tour announced, or I guess it, it uh, Eamon Lynch with Golf Week broke the story. This has already started, but they have a what's called the player, was it the player impact purse, PIP, something like that? It's, it's something along that. Basically, it's it's player impact um, fund or so, ah, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a forty million dollar fund. The PGA Tour has created. It's a bonus pool to pay the top eight stars of the PJ tour every year. And what they mean by stars is, you know, the guys that move the needle and there's various criteria, I guess, that they're going to judge and rate these guys to give out the bonuses. And it's kind of their impact score, if you will. Yeah, and this player is really impact fund. There you go. And this is really a, a way for the PJ tour to, to keep their assets, assets being the stars, the players, with them, because if you haven't heard over the last couple of years, there's this Saudis have a bunch of money and they're trying to create this premier golf league and they're trying to get 48 of the top guys in the world to play on this kind of limited tour where they have to play in every event and they're going to pay them astronomical amounts of money to play appearance fees. The purses are going to be huge. So they're trying to steal all these guys, the Dustin's, the, the Speeds, the Rory's, you name it, the top guys to go play on this tour. And it hasn't really gotten any traction, but I think this is a a sign that the PJ Tour is a little concerned and they want to try to keep their guys and make them happy. And so I I don't I honestly I don't know what to think about this because you know they're gonna use things just like as their popularity in Google search, right? So how many times does Bryson DeChambeau get Googled versus Sam Burns? You know, how many times, what's their Q rating? I'm looking at this list here. Their Nielsen brand exposure places a value on their exposure to player delivers to sponsors, sort of minister on broadcasts. Uh, their mel meltwater mentions, whatever the fuck that is. Um, MVP index rating, all these really weird things that maybe I don't know exactly what they are, which is probably why I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around how do they pick these guys, but is it a is it a rich getting richer kind of thing thing or is it are we actually rewarding the guys that we're tuning in for? Because the one thing about the PJ Tour is Rory McIlroy finishes T ten with Sam Burns. They're getting paid the same amount, but let's be honest, 
Rory McIlroy had more to do with what that purse is than Sam Burns does. So what, what's Rory? What's Rory's um, uh, equipment contracts and clothing contracts worth? Okay, and that's Sam that's Burns. the other thing too. Isn't that what the endorsements for? Right, the big guys are getting the big endorsements, and you know who the hell, who is that? Sebastian Munoz got flex tape advertisement on his shirt, right? So like, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. That's a tough. I so, think it's a tough question. So. But yeah, go for it. Go for it, McLean. All right. I, I look at this a couple different ways. I think there's some merit to providing some sort of bonus to the guys that really move the needle. I think that in some realm would give them a, an opportunity to try to be more participative and be more outgoing from a social media and or getting getting more involved with Participative is that a that's a today? really bold word. Like, is what's that? That's all, I'm participative. I did I never heard that one before. But I'm I don't I don't read a lot, so I would. That's probably a real word. But <laughs> I, I, I'm it's not on Instagram. I haven't seen that word on Instagram. I'm gonna look before. that one up because that's that sounded so cool. I just I'm hoping that it was a real word. Uh, I mean, I, I'm fairly certain it is. We can definitely. I'm willing to take. Uh, I'm willing to take um, opinions if I'm incorrect. No, but you're long good. story keep, short, keep going. Let me get back. Let me get back to this. So, this is where I'm looking at this. Like, I, I think there's some merit to be said that you know we're trying to bring more people to the game, and the guys that help move the needle have an opportunity, and even the guys that are trying to to get into this bonus pool that maybe just be outside it. Um all of a sudden it gives them more incentive to try to be more outgoing. I think, I think there is some merit there uh, in terms of helping to bring more people and be more um, uh, interactive with the general public. Uh, on the other hand, we're talking about splitting 40 million up against 10 guys, eight. I think it's eight, eight guys. That's a good, I think it should be more than that because I think there's more guys that move the needle. Down. No, sorry. You're right. 10. I heard eight somewhere else, but 10 and, yeah, and no, no, uh, 40 million over 10 guys. Long story short, uh, which is the new with that being said. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think ultimately it should be either broken up over a, a maybe a little bit longer list or it should be a lower amount because here, here's the way I look at it. Let's, let's break it up in 20 mil. That's still one hell of a bonus fund for 10 guys. Right? For just really being yourself and just yeah. being good right. and interesting. Right. And, and absolutely. I mean, it's still a hell of a bonus fund. And let's fund the let's fund the corn fairy tour a little bit more for these boys. Um, let's give these guys a reason to play better. Let's make that tour a little bit more competitive. Let's make that tour a little bit more lucrative. Let's make that tour something that we're gonna pay attention to more to. Because now we're paying a little bit more. We know the TV rights are there. There's enough content on the golf channel that we could remove some items. We don't need 97 playing lessons with the pro that we could we could put some more live golf on there. Figure out the TV windows. Figure out the TV windows. I see that big break thing back there. Um, What's their when's their new season coming? I'm just checking. It's not well. So I, oh, okay. I get so, your so so. Long story short, let's find an opportunity to create more live golf. Let's fight the opportunity to make create more live golf. Let's make it more interesting. Let's get these guys playing for a little bit larger purses. The TV the TV dollars are obviously there. We're throwing forty 
million. Well, yeah, I think the newest TV ten guys. I think the newest uh, TV contract what does went that up. Say? Yeah, the newest uh, TV contract went up three hundred million dollars. So that's where part of this money is coming from, right? And that's for the PGA Tour coverage. It's not what other what, any other coverage. And I get, I get what you're saying about giving more money to the Corn Ferry Tour because that is a direct business of the PGA Tour. However, All of a sudden, I, we have I, a chance to impact a lot more lives and create a lot more. And I think if you have more coverage on that and you have more live golf, I think it gives the opportunity to draw more viewers to it. It draws more viewers to the actual events themselves. When you're playing for 500 grand versus 100 grand, all of a sudden that makes that it makes it way more lucrative for the guys that are doing it. It it gets guys that are journeymen. It makes allows them to create a little bit more of a career. It gives them a reason to keep playing, not to go take a different job um, because they have kids and shit. And it keeps guys that we know could still be doing. It. I mean, Jay, if the Corn Ferry Tour was if first place the Corn Ferry Tour was five hundred grand, would you still be uh, on tour? Um, doing it? I, that's a great question. I mean, that certainly would would make a difference if, because I mean, I think one of the biggest issues with those guys is, is how, the expenses, you know, and how much you put up to, to play for such a little amount, you know, so I'm sure that would affect a lot of guys. I think for me, I probably would still be doing what I'm doing. Um, just cause I had, you know, I did 14 years of doing it and it didn't work out, whatever, but, uh, but certainly having more cash could, could have extended it. Yeah. But I think the way they're looking at it is the PJ Tour is obviously concerned about these Saudis trying to create this league and stealing their stars. Because if the stars leave the PJ Tour, they've got nothing. Then the Corn Ferry Tour is going to have nothing. They're not. Right. So this is, they got to have the PGA Tour being the premier tour in the world in order for the Corn Ferry Tour to be what it is. If the PGA Tour suffers, the Corn Ferry Tour is going to suffer even more. Yeah. It's it's the same thing that we've seen with, you know, all of these alternate leagues through different sports throughout the years. There's going to be some buzz around it. They're going to get a couple of guys. And with the Saudi money, they could get a couple of big guys. But you're not going to lose the luster and they're not going to get the grand the grand majority of golfers to make this jump all of a sudden, which you can't make without, if I'm not mistaken, when I look back at it with the team competition, it was like 60 to 75 golfers that they needed to fill their team events uh, was the way the, what was the league called again? It's called the premier golf league, premier, premier golf, golf league. league, PGL premier golf league. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't see them being able to get that many players um, and pay the top. 75 guys which let's go deep into let's call that they're gonna have to get into the top 250 because they're not going to get all of them so yeah. you're going to go into the top 250 players and pay them what I, I just don't see that honestly panning out um you'll get a couple guys that flip but i don't see it going to where guys are also not gonna develop points that allow them to play in the tournaments that they grew up idolizing and wanting to win I, yeah, I just don't see it coming. That's a good. Sure. That's a good point. I think a lot of the you know the fans out there, they're fans of the players, um, but they're also fans of the tournaments. You know, certain tournaments each year, um, they they've got there's a history there where you've got you know uh, Jack won this tournament, Tiger won this tournament, so and they've got history of being at that tournament and watching these guys at this specific course play. So that's that, that's part of like why the new thing doesn't always work out. I know the WGC events. 
they they were tough in the beginning and people like they didn't really tune into them but it, it took time and they just they were consistent enough with it whereas every year it became that big event you know you had these four big events used to be i guess accenture was before it was world golf championship or was yeah, it that, that was just the sponsor maybe that and, was i think it was the the world golf championship like accenture match play yeah. that was just one of the sponsors so now, we so essentially now. already have that now yeah and I, mean, I, I just think i i don't know i mean i don't really think it's needed at all because i don't think these guys are jumping to this premier golf league they would have they would have done it by now and you're gonna need you're gonna need nine of the top 10 to say yeah i'm going to get other guys to then say they're gonna go Exactly. And because they're not going to have a tour with 10 guys. So they need a tour with, they got to get a lot of these guys on board. So I don't think this is actually needed, but I guess the, the PGA tour must, must assume it's enough of a threat to do this. And they have enough money laying around in the coffers too. Well, they, I mean, the PGA tour, I mean, it is the most lucrative, uh, you know, they've got the most lucrative pension plans for their players of any major professional league and uh, i'd say in the world i mean i don't know that for sure but i know in the in the three majors major sports in the u.s what this for sorry hockey's in there hey, uh nhl nhl major league baseball nba and nfl the pga tour has the most lucrative pension plan i mean it's they've got so many ways to qualify for this the these different levels of the pension plan whether it's you know career starts career money uh, years played, consecutive years played with with X amount of starts. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I, you know, I don't know all of the details because obviously I, I I never qualified. You did a hundred cuts made to qualify. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of different levels. It's not just a hundred cuts. There's there's a lot of different levels that you can qualify qualify for that. But uh, I mean, Tim Bencham is the he's the guy who he was the brainchild for that whole thing. He he's the one who brought that in. Um and. They've obviously continued continued going. I remember a guy that, that I used to play with, like Garrett Willis. He was back. I mean, guy no one's probably ever heard of unless you have heard that he, he was like he was on the Rory. He was like the Rory Sabatini kind of guy that people, you know, some people didn't like playing with. I've never played with Rory, so I, I don't, you know, I'm sure he's a fine guy, but I have played with Garrett Willis, he's not. and I Clay do know that. I do know that Garrett was was tough to play with, um, and I, it sounds like his his reputation preceded himself there. But um, but needless to say, he, he did, did win his first event on tour, correct? Yeah, uh, I don't. It, it was it on tour or on the Nike um, web? Almost one hundred percent sure. He his first career event on the PGA tour, he won. He, he could um, have, but he that did. Was he, where I remember that name from. He looked at it more, and that was the one cool thing about talking with him is that he looked at it like a. This is like my business. It's like, I don't even know if he really enjoyed playing golf, but he was good at it. And he was like, I'm going to get my X amount of starts, you know, in five years, you have to be like, I don't know if it was 50, 75 or hundred. And I'm sure, you know, somebody can probably comment to give the exact number, but you had to reach a certain number within a certain time period. If you got it, then you kind of hit the the base level for this, this pension that they had. And that was his only goal was to, to do that. And then once he hit it, I don't, I, we never heard of him again. You know, I, 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 I never heard of Garrett Willis playing in any tournament. He just kind of like vanished. And he was like, I don't, and he was a good player. He was a good athlete, but he was like, all right, I hit when I needed to hit. See you guys later. And I'm out. I'm going to go sell insurance like everybody else and make a bunch of money. McLean, you're right. I just looked him up, made his debut at the Touchstone Energy Tucson Open in 2001 and became the fourth uh, tour player to win his first start as a member. Wow. Ben Crenshaw. Ben Crenshaw also did that. 
Yeah, I don't know what that means as a member, but as a PGA Tour member, as I guess as someone, I mean, I don't know did he play in an event more. Yeah, I don't know if he played in other events before he was a member. From he a, may have Monday qualified. We'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. Well, so mean, here's the thing about this play. this whole this whole bonus pool thing that I think it's going to annoy the hell out of me. I feel like these guys are going to have like their teams, their agents, their PR people, like make them get out there on social media and do oh. these stupid videos and stupid ads or st- stupid things on social media that's going to annoy me and be super well hold on a second hold on a second we're talking about awarding a guy more than he's going to make in a year that's where i seem like it's crazy i mean what's what's first place on the money list is it over 10 million dollars well so i think jt last year not counting the ten million dollar bonus or whatever for these guys, I think it was like not seven and a half. The FedEx Cup, $10 yeah, just, million bonus. I want to say it was like seven million. and a half million. I can look that up. That's but. what I thought. That's what I thought. Which is a shit ton comparatively to what it used to be. So and, long story short, and eight million goes to the number one of this bonus pool. That that's where it just seems lopsided a little bit. That all of a sudden that's more important than winning golf tournaments. Well, so I think allegedly some of their performance is going to factor into this as well, but well, it has to, if you're not performing well, you're not going to be a top 10. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. You're not going to, you're not going to be on TV. But, it, no but it's basically it's the golf influencer program, you know, call it the Kardashian project. It's, it, it's, it just seems, I don't know. It just seems, it doesn't it's, seem like it's in the, it's in the good of the game. It's the tiger woods bonus fund because he should be getting all this money. Oh, he's going to get $8 million next year. So they came out with, they did, uh, and I wish I could find it. They did like, they went back to the 2019 season and they ran the numbers on who would, who would win. Um, okay. So here you go. So in 2019, using these, this criteria, uh, the man who would have, who would have won this bonus pool in 2019. It's pretty freaking obvious. Tiger Woods. Yeah. So Tiger, he won the Masters. He, he was going to win it in 2019. Uh, Rory McIlroy was FedEx Cup champion. He would have come in second. Kepka third. Mickelson fourth. Ricky Fowler fifth. So, and then, so, and then in 2019, you would have had Jordan Spieth come in sixth, who didn't win a thing. Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, and Adam Scott were all the top 10. If you just use this criteria in the 2019 season. So, you know, yeah. So obviously a lot of those guys are the, the top guys in the world, minus at the time Jordan Spieth, because he was on a massive in the in the midst of a massive slump. But you know, this this is this is Tiger Woods, right? This is Tiger should have been getting this all forty million dollars of this bonus fund for a lot of years because he he's the reason they have forty million dollars to give out every year now. It yeah. just seems a little bit lopsided. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing that this may should be something. I just think forty over ten guys is uh is a lot and in some in most circumstances these guys are gonna make more off of this than they will on the course. And that that's where well, I feel like it's it's not even just a, like a little bonus. It's like are you more worried about winning the popularity vote or are you more worried about winning the performance vote? 
Well, I mean, again, this I think it's it's strictly a ploy by the PJ Tour to to retain their their stars. I mean, I don't see how it's anything else. Um, like yeah, that might, just, I mean, that's that's it. Like these guys, your top 10, 15, 20 guys in the world, if they jump ship and go to the premier, you know, world golf tour, you know, where's where are your TV contracts? You know, CBS, NBC, golf. Oh, Channel. they're not paying that shit. They're not. Uh-uh. They're not paying if you don't have the top guys there. So they're like, hey, neither are the sponsors paying for the tournaments. They're they're out too. Exactly. So you have nothing if you don't have the. It's, you turn into essentially the corn fairy tour if you lose your top twenty guys. So I'd rather the, see them break the forty million up over a travel expense budget for the guys on tour. But um, I, I I'd rather see them do the same thing for the corn fairy tour. I let's understand that. I mean, the, let, let's make it to where, you know, think about it. every other professional um, tour out there or every professional, sorry, uh, sport out there. Their travel is totally paid for travel, accommodations, food, all that stuff, totally taken care of. I'm not saying that the PGA tour needs to cover everything for everyone, but I think on the corn fairy tour and on the PGA tour, you could use that and give 2,500 bucks to every player for the week. As no, a per I, I, I think no. I think it's better is, used that way. The, the well, there idea, are per diems on the uh, Champions Tour, I think. Yeah, well, you know, I don't. I'm not sure about the Champions Tour. I, 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 I think agree. We know someone who can give us an answer. He's just not fucking here tonight. I've I've been I've been in that situation where you you wish you had that, and I and I and so I I know all about that. Fourteen years of the minor traveling. leagues. Let's take yeah. over the mini tours. Let's but, take this down past the Canadian and the Mexican tour. Let's take this past PGA tour track. Let's let's further the reach of professional golf and let's create the ranks a little bit better. Let's fund these events better. Let's fund the travel of some tour players better. Let's fund the travel. I mean, think about it. If you're able to give the guys on the web.com tour 1500 to $2,000 a week, let them cover their travel. I mean, it's a it's a nice ploy, but where's the benefit for the PGA Tour? So I, I understand boost what you're the saying. Fees and boost the TV. Let's get more live TV. Well, no, think, what's the benefit I mean, for the PGA Tour? They have, pl- they have plenty of – they're obviously – they could pull another $40 million if they wanted to. Yeah, but ready. they have plenty of money because they have these guys. That's what they're trying to yeah. do. They're just trying to, so they're just trying to, keep, they're just trying to keep the give guys happy. Something. Give them something. Let's split it up and spread the wealth a little bit better and support the the majority of professional golf. I agree. I agree. Make, make but, it twenty but, million and give twenty million in travel benefits split up over the card holders for both two tours. But is that is that going to keep Dustin Johnson from going to the World Premier Golf Tour when they're going to give him a million dollar appearance fee for ten events? That's ten million dollars. Why would he stay on the PGA Tour for? Or two or one point five. He's like, because they're not gonna. They're, it's that format's gonna be a short lived. Uh, if he does, it, do, it's it, yeah. Then then he goes back to the PGA Tour. Then he, he goes, goes back, back to the, the PGA, PGA Tour. If it's still I, there, I, I don't see that going. I don't see that format taking off. I don't see that becoming uh, the predominant source of professional golf as we move into. I mean. Do you think Dustin Johnson's not going to want to qualify no, I, for the Masters? I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. I'm just telling you where they're, where I think they're coming from, or why I think they're doing this. I don't so, really, 
I don't disagree with it at the end of the day. I think the amount's a little bit egregious. That's all I'm saying. If you got $40 million of additional money, let's fund some other projects and let's pay these guys a little bit less. I don't feel like the number one player on tour should all of a sudden make more for a popular vote than he's going to make uh, in career and earnings for that year. That's right. I mean, Sorry. I don't That's where my opinion is. I don't disagree with you. Um, uh, but, you know, I, again, it's not that it, I'm just saying I can see why the PGA Tour is doing that because they're trying to make sure they hold on to the guys that they have. Do I think that that money could be better served? Probably so. I mean, there's plenty of things that they could do to spread spread the wealth. But if you're looking as a top PGA Tour exec, if you're the PGA Tour commissioner, you're like, hey, we need to find a way to hang on to these top 15 guys. We need to do whatever we can. And honestly, if if the, if you really felt threatened, I think forty million is probably too low. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it's the PJ Tour is odd, right? Because you're, I mean, yes, there's endorsements. Just let's take the endorsements out of it. But, mm-hmm. um, like I said, Sam Burns and Roy McIlroy could earn the same exact thing one week, but Roy McIlroy is way more valuable to the PJ Tour than yeah. Sam Burns is. So. Yeah. Um, I see where they're getting, but let's, let's, let's move on. We we've, uh, we've kind of exhausted that one. And again, I, I just kind of want to see how this top 10 plays out this year and, yeah. and how that goes and, and who, who gets the bonuses and what the actual money is for everyone else. And it'll be interesting to kind of just keep an eye on all year, yeah. but it'll be interesting to see what the difference in interaction is with the public. Yeah, exactly. What are these guys going to step up their games socially um yeah you know i think the lpj tour is they're all fantastic because they have to right they're trying to get their names out there and the tour out there yeah they're all i mean hell they all have their you know twitter or instagram handle on their caddy bibs right on the lpj yeah. tour so they're in oh, run number three um but anyway so i wanted to go switch topics here you know, I, I cut McLean short last week and and he had a, a club fitting equipment segment that I made him do for 30 seconds because I was annoyed at our arguing. But um, I want to do an equipment segment this week. And this kind of stems from my buddy Jay Woodson making a switch here recently um, with a putter. And so the craze on tour seems to be light. Seems, <laughs> seems to be mallet putters. We're not going to talk about the anchor band or arm lock putters, but Jay, so you, you made a switch to, we're not going to use brands, no free ads, unless it's wing sauce. And we're going to, (laughs) um, this is the best wing sauce I've ever had. I still still haven't had any of it. So, uh, I'll take take it. Come to the house. Yeah. Bring it, bring it to my house on Sunday or grill it out. Okay. I mean, I feel like they owe each of us at least like a, Couple of bottles. I mean, I'll take a case. bottle, just one bottle. It's all one I want. bottle. Let's it's, put it in the mail. It's Where allegedly it? unbelievable. It it is unbelievable. Allegedly. Okay, so <laughs> you that someone would show up on a podcast with a full bottle and hold it like this for fifteen to twenty seconds. To this day, to this day, it's one of my favorite moments on this podcast. It, it's our first commercial break. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So you have been a fantastic putter as long as i've known you you've been a great putter and you've always putted with a traditional call it a blade style answer style newport style plumber's neck putter and you recently this winter went to a mallet i know mclean you putt with a mallet i've kind of bounced back and forth over the years i recently just went to a new mallet in january and so and I think 
Jay, you might have even sent me like all the top guys in the world, the top putters, or a lot of these guys are using mallets. More and more and more guys are using mallets. So what was yeah. your what was your take on it? Why you went? And are you married to it or you're still in the trial period? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely still in the trial period. I mean, uh just just trying to get a, a little bit better feel with it. So it, it, the weighting of it is swings a little differently. Um, but yeah, to answer your the first question there, yeah, that what, what sparked my attention was that there were, uh, I think there are basically 35 roughly out of the top 50 putters in the world. And, and we use the, uh, the metric for strokes gain uh, putting to, to find that, but, if you consider that larger kind of square back, you know, you know, blade style putter with the extended back, almost like a mallet. I mean, 35 of the top 50 guys use it. So there's got to be some type of, a, of an advantage, you know, to using it. And, and I understand that there are quite a few things. I mean, if you knew somebody who had a really extensive background in club building and club fitting, like maybe one of the members we could of only, our, We could only be so lucky, Jack. We could only be so lucky. But – I mean, McLean, what do you, and I'll, I'll jump into what I thought, I think, and how it's changed how I'm putting. But I mean, I went with the, the whole premonition of this could be easier. It could be better based on the 35 of the top 50 guys using it. You know, what, what is the science behind why, why these putters, you know, with the, I, I, I know it has something to do with the MOI. So give us the breakdown. You couldn't be more correct. So for the longest time, mallet putters were all pretty much face balanced mm -hmm. and the benefit to a mallet putter some could mention alignment because it's larger but at the at the end of the day and this is my true belief is that the benefit to a mallet putter is the forgiveness of the putter one thing people don't take into consideration is off hitting putts because it's such a small stroke that you don't necessarily think about well i'm not I'm not hitting the putts quite as solid. Well, the benefit of a mallet putter is that you have a higher MOI, which is exactly what you were just saying. So you have a higher moment of inertia, which means that the putt, or I'm sorry, the ball is going to be moved with less motion. So basically, if you take a blade putter and you swing it back six inches and you take a mallet putter and swing it back six inches, the mallet putter will transfer more energy to the golf ball and the golf ball will travel further. Yeah, there's Long more mass. Long story short, where the, where the benefit, correct, there's more mass. Where the benefit truly lies in my eyes is that it is a more forgiving putter and that your miss hits travel a longer distance. So all of a sudden, your putts that end up short oftentimes will somehow get to the hole if you have the correct, the correct speed or enough speed that your slight miss it still allows the ball to travel to the hole because ultimately with a blade putter or a more traditional putter, you will find that those slight misses won't travel quite as far. Now, the other benefit and the true revelation that we've seen over the past, uh, I don't know, however many years, let's call it eight to six years where we really started to see this introduced is that no one ever made a mallet putter that had the amount of that have toe hang. And especially now that you can get some with some manufacturers where you can get a plumber's neck or a short neck hosel that allows you to vary the amount of toe hang that you get. Because most players for the longest time were only able to get a mallet or most manufacturers only ever offered a mallet 
that was a face balance mallet. So it didn't fit the, the, what I would probably consider the majority of strokes out there because as of all the putter fittings I've done um, in my amount of time is there's not, there, there's more shape to strokes than there are um, straight back and straight through strokes, especially out on tour. So that's now why you see the amount of players out there playing mallets that probably grew up, quite frankly, playing a blade, but all of a sudden they can take a mallet putter, have the same amount of toe hang, the same open to close ratio, but also now have that added little bit of forgiveness where we know they don't miss hit putts quite as often, but now their rate of response on the face got an extra, you know, 16th of an inch wide, which to a tour player, when you're making as contact as quality as they do with a putter is really high because all of a sudden you're miss hit just it, it's, it's a more forgiving putter in the, in the most layman's of terms. It gives them the, the ability to create a more consistent amount of rate of return, or, or I, I would say the better way to explain that is more consistent speed off the blade regardless of where they're hitting it on the putter. So they miss hit it less, which allows them to create a more consistent speed or distance that the, the uh, ball is actually traveling. So my take on it is, and one of the reasons, you know, so like I said, I, I had to always kind of bounce back and forth. And my history is I have always liked mallets from, I like heavy putters once so I've got a lot, a lot of mallets that are a little heavier. I just feel like it, it smooths out my stroke a little bit. And so I like, I struggle with alignment with putting. I think a lot of amateurs do. I think a lot of pros do. And it's just easier with some of these. However, mallets back in the day were all face balanced, like you said. And just now are they allowing some toe hang? And so I would, back in the day, I would go to a mallet and like it from the weight, like it from the alignment standpoint, from the forgiveness standpoint, but it was face balanced. So it wasn't matching my stroke because I, as an instructor, do not believe in a, in a straight back, straight through. It's because no one makes a straight back. No, it's, it's, it's almost it's impossible. Physically so. impossible. We're, yeah, we're yeah. not dealing at 90 degree angles here. Everything is at an angle. The shaft's at an angle. Our arms are at an angle. Our spine is at an angle. There's no chance you can swing a putter straight back, straight through. Sorry, Dave Pels. I know you're a NASA scientist or whatever the hell you are, but you cannot swing a putter straight back, straight through. And I you am not a physicist. You have to go outside to outside. To Correct. Exactly. Right now, That's not correct. to say that face balance putters can cannot help people. I think there are people that need face balance putters, but it's not Agreed. because they're swinging straight back, straight through. So for me, why I have now migrated to it is because I can now get that benefit of the forgiveness, the weight, the alignment, and still make my arcing stroke and allow that putter face to open and close. And so when I have just recently switched back in January, I was in, you know, I was in the dating phase. You know, I asked Jay if he married, has married his partner yet. I was in the dating phase. I've been dating. We were on and off. We were having some great sex, <laughs> but there were some, there were some quirks. I was trying to learn with the new putter and I wasn't sure if it was for me, but now I've started to learn to love it. After yesterday, I just went out and bought a ring. I went out and bought a ring. I'm going to propose. I'm married to it, boys. <laughs> it is. It's now mine, and we're going to live happily ever after until the next younger broad rolls around. That's, <laughs> that's prettier and bustier, and then I'm going to switch. But right now, I'm getting ready to propose to, to my new mallet. Um, I actually added up, Jay. I think I made like 180 feet of putt, feet of putt yesterday. Okay. 
Um, I think that's uh, pretty good. I don't know. For me, that's averaging that's, 10 a hole. That's pretty damn good, I think. Pretty damn yeah, 180 good. 180 feet of putts. Yeah. Did you hold like two sixty footers? Because I feel like that's like the only way it's possible. Well, I hold the thirty, two twenties, a fifty, and then a bunch of like six footers. Man, I didn't make anything for my. So part. I thought the greens were rolling so great bad. yesterday at the foundry. The uh, greens are great. They recover from the airification nicely. They have a little, yeah. little cold, but you know what? We had some frost. We had three days of frost last week, which slowed them down. But you know what? If you hit a great putt, the ball goes in the hole. Yeah, it's amazing how that well, works out. There's, there's still- I've actually heard that. But, yeah, you know, I've so that. I just I don't know. I think it's interesting. There are a lot of mallet putters out there. And I was it was kind of curious, Jay, when you had texted me a few weeks ago saying or a month ago, whatever it was saying, hey, you want to go to a mallet and let's look at some things. I was like, "Whoa, well, Jay's a really damn good putter uh, with always a traditional style. Yeah, I mean, I've used, yeah, I've used it for I, I've, I've never used anything other than that. I've never, I mean, I, I, I did, I think I used the spider for maybe six months that, t- that Taylor made spider and it was, it was okay, but it was base balance and I, it was good for like a couple months. And then I felt like my miss miss hits with my putter, which sounds funny. Um, they were really bad and it was strict. I think it was strictly because it was a face balance putter and I, the, the putter stopped flowing the way that I, it, I, you know, I used the word flow, like toe flow. Like I couldn't, let the putter swing back and, and, and open naturally and then close naturally. It was just hard for me to square it back up. So that's when I put it aside that, but that was, that was only six months. And, you know, from, you know, junior golf all the way up through, you know, college golf and professional golf. I mean, I, I can't think of more than maybe six to eight months where I tried something other than a blade. So I'm, I'm certainly used to it. So, you know, to your point, Mike, you know, I, I know that there's, and that's why I even started using, the putter that I put in the bag, you know, that's, that is a mallet putter with a, it's basically like a half offset. So it's not quite the plumber's neck, but it, it does have some offset. So it has some towing. Um, but with the, you know, that answer, that Newport style putter, um, you, you do gain quite a bit of feel and feedback. So if you are a guy who is a great putter and you putt a lot and you, you practice a lot, you you can still benefit from a putter like that because of the feedback that you get. You know immediately if you hit it off the toe. You know immediately if you hit it off the heel or off the bottom or high on the face. Like the the feedback is immediate, so you can make an adjustment um, in real time, like in in the round. So I'm not. I am really leaning towards this kind of hybrid style mallet that's got like a. If they could come up with a mallet with the actual plumber's neck. It wasn't quite as bulky, but maybe just had some really s- small little tabs that popped off on the back, a little little fangs to kind of increase the MOI just a little bit, but still gave me that plumber's neck feel. I think that would be the supreme putter, uh, the best of both worlds. Um, and I'm sure somebody's probably making that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's benefits to both, but obviously everything's leaning towards technology. And that's yeah. just, that's, I mean, you can't deny it. And I'm, I'm no different. I mean, it's like, look, look, there's, why are all these guys using it? Why are the, all these guys putting well? Because, you know, of, of technology and you got to take advantage of it. All right. So that was kind of our, you know, equipment segment, if you will. Let's, um, we're going to get to Valspar here in a second, but I guess leading I think into- we need to rename our equipment segment. Uh, custom fitting corner something 
Sure, we need a sponsor for it. It'd be great. We'll sponsor it. Um, yeah, we can get a sponsor for it. Sponsor. Yeah, we'll get PBR to sponsor it. Um, we can get old uh, old dads wing yeah. sauce to sponsor it. Yeah. I hear it's great. So no, we're gonna no, we're gonna talk about Val- great. We're gonna talk about Valspar. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Great yeah. guy told me that. So going into Valspar, we have to talk about this. If you have not seen it, research it search it out google it if you're on social media you've probably seen it and follow any kind of decent golf account valspar's this week down in tampa area and like most pga tour events they had a monday qualifier and does anybody know how to properly say this guy's last name yeah vaisaki okay big mike vaisaki got in in a playoff to get into the valspar his first pga tour event been on the mini tours for seven years fighting the good fight family has given up a lot i was he did a press conference today at the Val Spar, and I, I heard some of his quotes and you know there were times where his his family wouldn't eat dinner so they could save a little money so he could go to the next event and they would not pay their phone bill so he could save a little money to go to the next event and so talk about the the ultimate sacrifice to live your dream and Jay knows this better than anyone here. And so, you know, the huge reaction from him emotionally when he won. And then there's the cool footage of him calling his dad, breaking down, crying, saying, Hey, I did it. I made it. We're going to the PGA tour for an event. Right. It just, if, if, if that doesn't uh, pull at your heartstrings, then I, I don't want to know you. And um, it's just, a, it was just a really cool scene. And again, for, for a guy who's, who's never done it or tried it and was cause never was remotely good enough to try it. I would have loved to, but for Jay, you can, you can speak to this as what does that feel like you're trying to get to a PJ tour, they're trying to get to the PJ tour event and you finally get to a Monday qualifier and you've done it a couple of times and, and get in. And um, how cool is that? I hope I've been roots for this guy this weekend. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of the coolest feelings, you know, it's just so tough. To these, if you, everyone who listens should, should pull up, you know, the PGA tour, PGA tour.com and check the, you know, they, they list the Monday qualifiers who, who got in, you know, Monday night, Tuesday morning, you can check to see who got in, what they shot. And they usually kind of give you a little, a little bio, a little backstory. They didn't used to do that, but they've done in the last three or four years, but it's, and this is, he's a great example of just, you know, how difficult it is. I mean, you play, Many you play professional golf, and most people they when you say I'm a professional golfer, they immediately think, oh, you play? Do you play with Tiger Woods? That's the first thing that they ask. At least that's what they did for the 15 years that I played. And I'm like, no, not usually. Uh, Rarely will I play in the same event as Tiger Woods. But when I do play, our we'll be next to each other in the locker room because our our names are right next to each other. And that actually never happened because all the events that I got in, he didn't play in those, but um, they just, they automatically assume that you're a professional golfer that you're playing on the PGA tour and you're making millions of dollars. It's not the case. Uh, you know, most of the guys, again, back to kind of our point earlier, uh, you know, if you're outside of the top 50 in the world, you know, you're, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're poor by any means. Um, but you're not like making, you don't have, you know, millions at your disposal. You are still paying attention to what you're spending, and I've given this example again, and this is one of my first PGA Tour event that I Monday qualified for, which is in Greensboro. 
uh, for the, uh, the Wyndham, the Wyndham event, which is at Sedfield country club, uh, down there in Greensboro. Um, but I was, that was the first money qualifier that I've I'd ever gotten into on the PGA tour. I was pumped. I was excited. I was not even 30 years old. I was 27, 28. And I mean, just, you, you were like, all right, I, I'm here. I made it, you know, I made it to the event. You're not necessarily, you know, you haven't made it, but you're at least competing. Um, it was just the coolest feeling, but, um, but, but to that, to that other point, you know, I was staying in a hotel and right next to Charlie Hoffman and he, it was a, he was a member of the tour and we were staying in this kind of, you know, low grade hotel and I'm looking at him and it really changed my whole perception of what I was doing. I was like, you know, what we were, what I was striving for. I was like, I want to play in these events. And then here I am, you know, rooming next to a guy who has already been on tour for three years, four years. And he was still staying in the cheap hotel trying to save cash. And I was like, man, you're, you know, you're, you're in the top 125 on the money list and you're here, you know, trying to save money. Um, it just goes to show how difficult it is to make it. And, and, and this guy, Mike, you know, Vesicki, he's just like, it's every step is just so tough. And you're like, you're trying to build on everything you can so you can continue to, to improve and enjoy it. I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, you know, even the guys who make it on the PGA tour, they're going to be guys you've never heard of. And, you know, they're still going to have a good living, make a good, make a good living for their families if they can stay on tour, but you know, they're not going to be in the limelight. They're not going to be the top guy. Um, they're not going to be the top 10 in the world, top 50 in the world. And it just, it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks, but uh, it's certainly, it certainly weighs on you when you spend thir- you know, for this guy's uh, situation, seven years trying to, trying to get on tour and he finally gets in. Yeah, I think it's just it's just a really cool story, and I think everyone needs to root for him and follow him this weekend. And again, just go back and read some of his quotes or or watch the video of you know when he qualified or his press conference, and just see the the emotion and the competitiveness and what it what it means to some of these guys. We, we you know we spend a lot of time talking about Rory and Dustin and Jordan Spieth and the top names, and we just got over talking about a, a bonus pool of, of forty million dollars, but. There's a lot of guys out there um, just just struggling to make it and just giving all they have to grind and, and do it. And so, yeah. anyways, just a it's a good feel good story. You, you know, I mean, and I know we, you know, not to, you know, extend this too long, but you're you're right, Mikey. I mean, that's like, you know, your Rory McIlroy, your Dustin Johnson, these guys who are like, you know, almost childhood prodigies. Rory was, um, and you know. Justin Thomas was a great college player. Uh, Dustin Johnson came on the scene and went straight to, straight through Q school and got to BJ tour. But it's the guys who have had, had to grind on these mini tours and then, you know, make their way to the corn Ferry tour, then make their way to the PJ tour. Those are the guys where you can really, you know, hear uh, the struggle and how difficult it is and the, the sacrifice and the money. And like in your, what you mentioned earlier with his parents, you know, sacrificing, you know, sounds like meals, which is in, it's crazy to me <laughs> do that. But I mean, now you can see why the kids crying after money qualifies for the event. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, let's move on to Valspar. Did you guys make your picks? Yep. Mm-hmm. Close. I'm close. I'm, I'm, I've narrowed it down. Okay. So, uh, Valspar, I've always kind of, you know, for, uh, middle tier event. I've always kind of enjoyed it. I think it's a tough golf course and it seems to have 
always a little bit of drama coming down to the finish. You know, a couple of years ago, Spieth beat Reed in a playoff and Tiger came close a couple of years ago to Paul Casey and, you know, as he was making his comeback. And so this, this always seems to be some good winners and and some good drama at a tough golf course at Innisbrook with the snake pit. I'm not even exactly sure what the snake pit is. Is it a stretch <laughs> of holes out there? But um, what uh, what are your thoughts? Is it, it used to be, because of the whole schedule changes, it used to be part of the Florida swing, yeah. which it no longer is. It's getting moved on the schedule. Uh, so, But there are there are some good... Some good studs playing in the field this week. You know, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, Patrick Reed. There are uh, some really good players playing. Scotty Scheffler, Hovland, you know. So, uh, McLean, since you've done your team, we'll, we'll send it off to you. I'll have you go first. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get All right. Let me get to my guys here. I can tell you one guy I definitely have on my team. I probably have him. The Logan out of West Texas. Yeah. Mr. Ryan Balmer. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say it now. He's already on my team. And as soon as I hit it, I'm like, oh, son of a McLean's going to have him. I've got him 100%. on my team, too. So that's no fun. We've all got the same guy. Well, I picked him first because I went first. So No, 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 no. I created the league, so I went first. Yeah. EAD. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm putting him on my team regardless. So yeah. Well, that's cute. <laughs> I have uh everyone's favorite golfer, or should I say hated golfer, Patrick Reed at ten thousand three hundred on DraftKings. Moving down from Patrick Reed, I go straight into top heavy bullfrog. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, moving on from bullfrog down 200 less at 8,500. Did you say top heavy bullfrog? Top heavy bullfrog. Absolutely. Uh, the low draw out of West Texas previously mentioned Ryan Palmer. Love it. Um, from there, I moved down to 8,200. Mr. Chris Kirk, uh, really been trending in the right direction. Last two finishes on the PGA tour are a, uh, sixth and a seventh and previous to that was 25th 48th and an eighth and a 16th dating all the way back to the pebble beach pro-am so you talk about a guy really trending in the right direction been playing trending. recently trending. Um, i mean he goes 68 67 on the weekend in hilton head 67 68 on the weekend at valero uh, 67 72 out at the honda he did finish 25th there um, so you know, seen a lot of good golf from that guy recently. Would love to see him play well this week. Um, he's still that little bit of comeback story there with him. And yeah. at the end of the day, I think it's uh it's a good story for everyone, good story for golf. Um like moving down into my dark horses. Um, I'm going with Mr. Doug Gim. Oh, um, really? Guy has been playing some decent golf as of late. So last few starts on the PGA Tour, Heritage 33rd, Valero 44th, the Honda, he did miss the cup, but the players, he finished 29th, uh, Bay Hill 36th, the Genesis 68th, Pebble 21, Farmers 37th, and the Amex 5th. So we've seen some decent golf out of him. I think he's a solid dark horse that's been playing pretty decent that could put up some decent numbers this week. And then down going to Mr. Tom Hoagie. Uh, or Hogue, oh, whatever yeah. it is. It's um, Hoagie. 
I thought it was. So 25th last week at Heritage. I'm sorry, not last week, week before at Heritage. Uh, Valero, 12th. Missed the cut at the Honda. 22nd at the player. So, you know, three out of the last four weeks, he's been in somewhat contention on Sundays, you know, at least in the mix, I would say. Maybe not into contention to win, but definitely in the mix. So um, pretty happy with my team. Like I said, I spread out the wealth a little bit around that 8,500 mark with Kurt, Kokrak, and Palmer. Um, and went with my high dollar amount with Reed. And I mean, I think I, you look at some of those guys up top. I mean, JT, you can't like it any event. I mean, he, he's good at every event, um, especially right now, the way that that guy's playing. He was up, I think, at 11 5. It's a big pick. And that really that that pulls a lot of math out of your team. Uh, me dropping down at 1200 points to get down to 10, 10, three at P read at my top pick. I'm feeling pretty good about that. I and mean, the guy's number one at strokes game putting. Um, he's a guy that just doesn't really care what goes on. Not a big fan, but I mean, shit, it's tough not to bet on the guy. The guy, the guy is solid. You love yeah. taking P read. Look at, look at his, look at his record. I know, I know, I know, I, but, but I know. we're talking He's, money. It's like, it's what do you do? I mean, the guy's number one in strokes game putting. You you take a guy who can putt every week. You take a guy that's going to cash a check every week. I speaking of P. Reed, I can't imagine what his wife's burner account on Twitter is going to do with this whole uh, performance bonus thing. He, she's going to go nuts. She's gonna she's gonna hire some Russian to like Google search Patrick Reed like nine billion times a day and set up some algorithm so he wins this damn thing. Anyways, that's a different topic. That's not a, that's not a bad. I, I bad thought idea. we already moved on. Yeah, we moved on. Sorry, I just it just it just hit me there. Okay, so yeah. I'm gonna go. Um, I didn't go any of the high dollar guys. I kind of went down the list. A lot of middle tier guys. I, I did have all just real fast. I had Kirk and Palmer, two guys that you had on your squad. So I'll just get them out of the way now. But my high dollar guy, and I've taken him a lot this year, but he's just been playing really really solid. And it's a tough golf course, so I'm gonna take ball strikers. Corey Connors was my top dollar guy, $9,600 might've been the seventh or eighth guy on the, on the list. But I think he's, I think he's due for a win. I mean, he's had seven top tens. He makes almost every cut. Just he's not a great putter. A really good pick. No, it's a really good pick. I love the tempo of his golf swing. Yeah. And then I go down um, again. I had Kirk and, and Palmer were my next two. Then I had Max Homa. Just again, he plays tough golf courses well. He hits the ball really well. Doesn't have a major weakness in his game. And so I just I just like Max in Florida. Then I got two guys that are near and dear to my heart. Been playing well this year. Both kind of having resurgent years, if you will. Keegan Bradley is a New England guy. Uh, played at a competing high school. We just missed playing together um, for a year there. He was a good buddy of a guy named John Curran who used to play on the on the PGA tour who yeah. beat me in, beat John me in the, Curran, great beat me in the state championship one year you know never forget it I came in second and John Curran came in first and I later find out John Curran was getting flown down by his dad to Jim McClain in Miami and I asked my dad well, who the hell are you teach sending me to <laughs> the answer was no one so no one anyways uh but Keegan Bradley again just, just kind of a resurgent year I've had a few top tens and a lot of cuts so we're gonna go Keegan hitting it solid there and then my my last pick, seventy seven hundred dollars, Clemson boy, Lucas Glover. No gloves, just a pure yeah. ball striker. Again, may or may not have the putting yips, so we're gonna kind of ignore that for the weekend. 
Yeah, but, you talk um, about pure ball striker. Uh, random fact, Lucas Glover, uh, his father was from Wilmington, North Carolina. Actually went to high school with my parents. There you go. Uh, Ronnie Glover. But uh, Lucas, I've had Ronnie a chance, to meet, Sorry, had a chance to meet him a couple times. Just the nicest guy you will ever meet. You know, he was a, a follower of my Clemson PGM program, even though he was on the PGA Tour, was getting our newsletter and just a good dude. And hey, uh, shout out to my Clemson Tigers men's golf team. They just won the ACC championship yesterday. Ranked, they? ranked third Tigers. or ranked third or fourth in the country. Uh, Coach Larry uh, Penley retiring. 83 wins. Just set a record for the most wins in the ACC history. Wow. Has won the ACC title like 12 times. Just a, a stud of a coach, Hall of Fame coach in, in college golf. So shout out to those guys. Hopefully they can uh, do well. While we're talking about college golf, I want to give a shout out to the College of Charleston. They just won their conference championship. Uh, shout out to Coach Mitch. Um, good guy. Uh, we can definitely get him on here to talk. I think he'd be he'd, he'd bring a great point of view on. Um, shout out to CFC. My wife went to CFC. I was born in Charleston. My son was born in Charleston. Um, spent a little bit of time with some of the guys that played on the team when I was living down in Charleston, uh, my favorite place on earth. Um, shout, congrats to those guys. I know, I know a couple of them. I know, uh, mainly Hunter Dunnigan, um, his last year, Logan Sal, great guy out of Kershaw. You talk about some great players on that team, Michael Sass. Um, congrats to all of those guys and I uh, hope to see more of them in the future as uh, their golf career continues to grow. Yep. Love Charleston. Shut up boys. And uh, Jay cap it off. Who you got? Yeah, man. I've got uh, quite a few of the same guys. Uh, Ryan Palmer is on the squad. Uh, Corey Connors is on the squad again. Great ball striker. Um, I snuck in Lonto. I like you it. know, I you know I like Lonto. He's a good dude, and he's a good ball striker. So, and I think he's a tough, gritty guy. He makes cuts. I think the price is right. You know, he could easily go out and and uh, make quite a few birdies there, and 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 make it worthwhile at seventy four hundred. Um, I went with Charlie Hoffman next. Again, we talked about him a few sure, minutes. Hotel ago. buddy, hotel buddies. You know, every PGA Tour event I played in, Charlie Hoffman, we had some type of interaction. So. He has no idea who I am, but I certainly remember him um, at every PGA Tour event I played in, which is weird. But, uh, I, you know, I like the guy. He's a good player, great ball striker yeah. again. Um, we've got Ian Poulter, who is uh, – Wow. Yeah, not uh, – you wouldn't think of the, uh, the greatest ball striker out there, but he uh, he's always a great uh, – you know, great short game, great putter, and he's a grinder, and he plays well on tough golf courses. And this, the uh, the Valspar, that, that golf course is hard, so hard. And he's actually had some success there. So, um, and then I cap it off with Cameron Tringale. Um, he's just been playing he's had well. a good year. Yeah, he's just been playing solid, solidly. Uh, his last start at the at the Valero finished top ten, and then Honda, he's thirteenth. Uh, so he had some good finishes. Really, the only really poor finish he had was at the players, which I hate to say it, but that everyone that has course, a poor finish at the players. The the course is so quirky. I mean, and I, I try to look at you know when I look at these. I look at what they shot. You know, if you were to go out and be a little off and shoot seventy three, seventy four at, at TPC Sawgrass, he didn't play. He didn't play that bad. You could have been. You know, you're probably only a few shots off of making the cut and maybe a, have a decent weekend, and and then you're right in the mix. So. Um, you know, 
I, I don't discount the fact that he missed the cut, but since it's the players, I, you know, I give him a little bit of a break. But besides that, he's played well. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, I, I kind of slapped this together and uh, I did not. I had majority of it ready to go before you guys went. So I did not bite off of your your picks. So we'll see. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, well, we went we went pretty long tonight, even without Tom. So, Tom, we don't really need you. We can just keep on filling the airtime. No problem. No, nah, I do miss the time for. No, nah, we miss Tom. Tom, we hope to have you back next week. And absolutely. Again, we're going to keep working on some guests and, and see if we can get our schedules to, to mesh here and, and get some more guests on the show, because I think you guys like listening to the guests more than you like listening to us. So. Yeah. That's pretty much what I've heard. Everyone's like, oh, I love the show. I really love the guest episodes. So <laughs> I'm like, well, all, all right. of our guests have been unreal and definitely cooler than all of us. So oh, I'm well, yeah, that's not, not that hard. Yeah, not that hard. So, but uh, thank you to all of our listeners. If you guys ever want to engage, please feel free. If you have a topic that you think you want us to discuss or to hear us talk about, you know, feel free to reach out to any of us. Go to our Instagram page, follow us, just post a comment to, on any of our posts. Our uh, vice president of, of social media, McLean Boyd, does does most of those posts. So if you ever if you ever misses one, you can blame him. But uh, no, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be happy to talk about something if you guys think there's a, a valid valid discussion point in the world of golf. And hopefully you guys are getting something from this. And we'll just keep on having fun and, and keep on rolling and look out for some I can't wait to get my hats, boys. I want to. They're coming. They're coming. They're going to I want week. my emergency nine hat really bad. Gonna be ready so to feel free to reach out to us on emergency nine pod at gmail.com as well to directly go. with any of those ideas or any yeah. requests for shirts or hat. You know, we, we'd love to uh, facilitate those for you guys. So again, it's emergency nine, the number nine pod pod at gmail.com. Perfect. Love it. Reach yeah. out to us. Let's do it. I'm ready for the hats too, buddy. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Kenton uh, Scarcy with Brandito. He, yep. He's the one who hooked us up. So we saw him yesterday. Another, another listener. So a friend he's of the pod. Guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, uh, he's supplying us. He's supplying us with our with our hats and shirts, and uh, we're going to be in good shape, guys. So ready to ship some stuff out to some some listeners for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Take care. All right. Later. Thanks, guys.